This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. That that doe walks by me, and now he turns his head and aims right for the doe that's right underneath me. And then, so now he's he's about 20 yards out, out broadside. I got a clear shot. I don't have a clear shot because he's behind a branch. So I need him to clear this branch, and then I have a clear shot at him broadside. The doe that's behind me, Austin, just kind of bounds, poop, out from underneath me, and then follows the other doe. When she does that, he takes two steps, bounds where she was, and lands right underneath me. Oh, and so man. now he's just standing there looking at the does. And I'm like, gosh, he's five yards away. I look, I mean, literally straight down. I range him five yards. I'm like, what are you going to do? She's down. Let's go. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. One with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. All Obsession Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Fall Obsession Podcast episode. I'm Sam. I'm your podcast host, and thank you for joining me. Our podcast is driven by Ridge Rock Hunt Company. I'll talk about them and give them a shout out uh, at the end of our episode here. Joining me today, good friend of mine, no stranger to the podcast at this point, our Fall Obsession staff manager from Michigan, Todd Sellen. Welcome back, Todd. Hey, Sam. Thanks for having me. It's always great to see you. I always loved sitting down and talking to you and uh, it's a little cooler this time. I'm back in Michigan. So last time we were sitting in the Texas heat. Yeah, so I, I was going to freeze here in Michigan. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I think we, I think this is the fifth podcast now that we've, we've had you on total, um, 97, 98, the two part series for the Midwestern crew with, uh, that goose hunt that y'all had. Um, that was the first, your first appearance. And then back in July, when you came down to Texas, you and I knocked out a couple episodes, I think 113, 114 are those. If folks want to go back and listen 
just kind of talking about not just you and, and your life and our fall obsession family, but also your hog hunt down here. So those are some great, great podcasts. But point being, it's it's been a minute since we were on here. As you said, the weather is much cooler. You you guys are getting <laughs> snow up there in Michigan right now, and uh, we're it's nice, finally nice and cold down here in Texas in the you know lows in the twenties and thirties. So I'm um, I'm loving it at the moment. But all that weight I lost when I was down there with you, I wish I had it back on. <laughs> pretty cold in in the stand now yeah i i know the feeling for sure but um anyway we wanted to get into some some hunt talk tonight um obviously it's Mm -hmm. it's november it's deer season we're we're right in the thick of it um and we'll we'll talk uh here after bit kind of about our our staff being in the thick of it you know with with the success of this year but i wanted to kick incredible it is incredible incredible. man it is and i know we'll talk about that but i wanted to kick it off with with you Mm -hmm. and your Mm -hmm. success buddy because um you killed a stud of a buck one one of the uh, i think it was one of the first bucks probably for fall obsession to hit the ground two or three before you but De- yeah, I, you probably have the most inches on the ground right now. I would say. I think so. I think so, which is is very exciting to me because I do have a history with this buck. And you know, you, you look at it when you're in the field and you don't realize how big it is until you walk up. And yep. the first thing I realized, I couldn't put my my hand around its base. And then uh, again, when I brought it to the taxidermist, she asked me if I was going to get it officially scored. I'm like, eh, you know, I know it's a good buck. She's like, dude, you got to get this officially scored. I think it's a Pope and Young. So she measured the main beams. And I was, you know, like when I said when I green scored it, I was uh, I was about three inches off from her actual measurements. And she's much more uh, experienced than I am at doing stuff like that. So right. she convinced me, you got to send it out and get this officially scored. So yeah, I did send a picture to the uh, official scorer. And he said to me, he's like, dude, you're going to have to decide whether you want it scored as as non-typical or as a typical and non-typical means they don't deduct any points for abnormalities. So, um, he did have a few, he had a split, split end, and then he had a split G3, I, I think it was. So there, there were a couple deductions there, but geez, for, for a non-typical, I think you have to score a minimum of 155. Yeah. And if, if this guy who's experienced, like I said, has a ton of experience, he's an official scorer comes to me and says, Hey, you're going to have to make this decision. I look at it and say, no way. There's, there's no, I, I never in my dreams ever thought I would get something like that. So. Yeah. And, and for our listeners, th- this buck is on your, your home farm, correct? Yeah. Straight by my house. Yeah. 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 So, your home farm yeah, right up there in Michigan. Um, so, so take us into it, set the stage for us a little bit. Um, you, you mentioned already that you had history with this deer. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that history and take us into this deer season and this hunt specifically. So my daughter, Tala, she was born uh, the beginning of October, October 5th to be exact. And so one of our traditions is that we go out and celebrate her birthday. We, I take her out on a hunt for her birthday. And um, three years ago when we went out, uh, we sat in one of my shacks I had on the corner. And while we were sitting there, we happened to look across the field and this massive buck came out from the west side of the field, almost directly across we're sitting on the east side. And my daughter looked at it through the binocular and she's like, oh my gosh, he looks like an elk. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah, you can see that from here. He was about 300 yards away at that point. And as he came across the field, he got bigger and bigger. And and I thought, man, if I get a shot at this guy, I'm going to take him. And the closest he got was like 54 yards. And I didn't want to take a chance at a, a long shot at a really good buck. Right. So um, 
make a long story short, he ended up getting chased off by another bigger buck at both at 50 yards. And then uh, through the rest of that season, I only saw him one other time when he was working toward me and then he got wind of me and, and took off. And then um, since that time, and, and, and at that time, I figured he was probably about a three-year-old deer, um, you know, really nice buck. Uh, and again, this was three years ago. So now you're, you're looking probably a five or six-year-old old buck, you know, and um, so my, my daughter named him Mr. Elke. Well, then um, the year after that, I ended up shooting a small buck because she wanted to see me shoot a buck. And then last year, uh, we went out and we did that film. And, and we had talked about Mr. Bucky on that, that, that recording that we did, or Mr. Elke, sorry, yeah. uh, on that recording that we did. So I saw him. I didn't see him the year after, but I saw him last year one time. So I tried to get on him. And... Uh, never really worked out. I got him on video a couple times last year, but never really worked out to get a shot. Um, this year, uh, beginning of the year this year, they when they first cut our corners, just before our archery season, uh, I went out because I saw they had cut my corner. I needed to change the batteries in my, my camera. So on our property, we have about 80 acres of corn in a rectangle. And then our back 13 acres, we ran out to the same farmer. So it's kind of like an L. And so the the 80 acres next to us was all cut but they hadn't got to the l part yet so i drove out there and that's where my camera is sitting in that l part so i drove out there and all that corn was still up i'm like man i can't drive through there with my quad but there is a there is a back there is a back way there through a two track so um i got off my quad and started walking down the two track and i got into the woods i don't know if, uh i don't know maybe 10 yards and i look up i'm like oh my gosh there's a buck standing right there he was watching the combine cut the corn and he lifted his head and it wasn't Mr. Bucky, but he was really wide. This is my number two that I've been after. He's really wide. And I thought he was a six point. He's pretty thick as well. Yeah. And I got to about 15 yards from him, just sat there next to a tree and just watched him. He was just watching the combine and just eating and watching, had no clue I was even there. So, um, so anyway, I, I, at that time I thought this is my number one target buck. You know what I mean? This is the guy I'm going to get after here in in the next week because that's when archery started in that next week. Well, um, Tala and I went out for her, her birthday hunt on the 4th this year, and um, um, she ended up – she ended up, I could tell you the story a little bit later, but um, she ended up uh, har- harvesting her first year ever yeah. with, a, with, a, with a crossbow. And well, I can tell you right now, so as we were walking out, um, we're going to a stand on the west side of our property. It's a double tree stand and it's got a shooting rail. It doesn't lift up. So you have to use a crossbow. Otherwise you move too much to get your bow up over the crop, the, the rail. So we're walking out, we got the crossbow and Tyler goes to me. She's like, dad, can I be the shooter? And I, I go, no, Tyler, you've never shot this before in your life. I go, you, you you've never shot this. I don't want you to wound a deer. She goes, oh, come on, let me be the shooter. I'm like, no. And she goes, uh, well, it's just like shooting a gun, right? I said, yeah. And she shot a gun. I got her a gun for her birthday. So she shot that. She's she sighted it in. So she's used to that. I go, yeah, it's just like shooting a gun. She goes, you just have to put the crosshairs behind its shoulder, right? I said, yeah. She goes, does it kick? I go, no. She goes, well, let me be the shooter. I go, okay. You <laughs> can be the make, shooter. She's That's making fine. her case pretty good there. <laughs> she's making her case. Yeah, she's making her case. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to go up there. We're probably going to get a crack at a deer. Um because she hasn't practiced probably not going to hit it but we can say she got a crack at a deer so we're in the stand as we're sitting there i don't know about a half hour um tyler like nudges me she's like there's a deer coming and it didn't have horns you can tell it didn't have horns so uh i go just wait we want to make sure it's not a button buck it got closer to us we looked 
sure enough, button buck. I go, don't shoot it, don't shoot it. And she goes, okay. So it was underneath us eating and licking our ladder and doing all kinds of stuff and eventually worked its way off. Well, a few minutes after it worked its way off, we look up again, there's another deer out there and it's a bigger body. And so I go, I go, Tala, I go, you're going to shoot this one. I go, you need to shoot this one because I go, buck or doe, it doesn't matter. Well, he lifted his head up and it was a nice little six point, really nice, really wide, actually had some pretty good mass on it. Um, it's probably about a two, actually what they, they, I think they aged him at about three years old, just a small antler, eight, three years old. Cause it field dressed at 170. Wow. <laughs> so it was a big body deer. Yeah. So anyway, it comes right to us and, um, I got it on film. I think I sent you the film. It wasn't a very good film cause I got so excited. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, she put it right behind the shoulder and smoked that sucker right in the heart. I mean, she hit him right square in the heart. That's awesome. And so I'm like, first time ever shooting that. So going back to my story, uh, the next time I went out, which was a few days later, um, sitting in my tree stand in the east side, which is where I sat, where I um, sat, well, I've been sitting um, to try to get after this number two bucks. That's where I've been seeing him. And so uh, at any rate, um, I, uh, I was sitting there and all of a sudden this buck comes out. I'm like, oh my gosh, this buck is huge. He's out at about 80 yards. So I'm thinking if he turns my way, I can get a crack at him. I can see him right now. I, I know he's probably about 130 class inch buck. Um, right behind him was this other buck that I had walked up on in the woods. So I thought, you know what? You're no longer my target buck. That first guy is my target buck. You're now number two. Yeah, it changed. <laughs> Yeah, it changed. And then behind him was another third buck that was a nice little eight point. He was probably about a three-year-old. He was big body. Uh, it may, it might have been the other one that ran across by me today. I mean, really big body, eight point. And all three of them were running together as a bachelor group. Um, never got a shot at him that night. But for the remainder of bow season, I uh, until I shot that until I shot him the 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 number one the 130 class so i thought you know what i mean right um i would see him about once a week and when he would show up number two would show up so it was always he'd come out in the field he'd eat it for a little bit and then probably 10 15 minutes later number two would come up or um as we started to get closer to the rut he would come out with a couple does kind of push him around a little bit and then he would come and then number two would show up uh in fact the last time i saw him before um let me think no actually um, so anyway, they kept doing that. Well, one night I was sitting in my stand and, uh, getting kind of dark. It was right at the end, end of last light. And I take my arrow out of my bow, put it in my quiver, um, hook my bow up, turn around and look. And there's a buck right behind me. There's a deer right behind me. I'm like, Oh boy. And I see his antlers. You can see his antlers. You can see he's outside his ears. And I'm at the point where I'm like, you know what? He's a good buck. He's a good body buck. If he comes in, I'm, I'm going to get a crap. I'm going to take a shot at him. Yeah. So I take my um, hoist off my bow. I put my, knock my arrow back in. Sure enough, he comes in right next to me. I range him real quick, 10 yards. I didn't get a really good look at his antlers other than I knew he was outside his ears. Yeah. You know what I mean? So 10 yards. So it happened so quick. So I drew back, put it on his shoulder, and then I didn't compensate for the fact that I was 25 feet up in the tree. So 10 yard, yard shot at 25 feet up in the tree. You know your your aim point has to change a little bit. Yes, you know it what does. I mean? Absolutely. I, I I didn't change it. I aimed where I normally would aim at 15, 10, 10, 10 or fifteen feet up in the tree, and um, I shot and smacked him. It sounded just like my arrow hit a tree. He spins, and takes off running. So 
Um, I get down shortly after I start looking. I can't find where he kicked up dirt. I can't find where he turned leaves over. I can't find anything. I go over to where he goes into the woods. I can't find blood. I, I go back into on the trail that he, he ran in on. I can't find my arrow. I can't find any brush. I can't find anything. So I call Heather. She comes out with me. And we're looking all over this woods, looking for a white belly at this point, because we can't find any sign of, I know I hit him because I can see my arrow sticking out of him, but we can't find any sign. Um, and so we never do find him. We don't find my arrow. We don't find any sign. So we go back, we go back in the house and, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking I just missed, I just screwed up a good, good shot on a, on a really nice buck. Yeah. And so um, next time I go out, um, I have a couple does, two or three does that come out from the east side of the field and I'm sitting on the west side and they're running right at me. They're coming right at me. And then they kind of veer off. And then sure enough, here comes the big buck. Here comes the 130 chasing them, coming right after him. And then they, he hangs up with them at about 80 to 100 yards. And they're just kind of out in the field eating and he's bumping the does. Pretty soon number two comes out and he, he's following them. So he's, he's chasing the, the does run off into the woods. Um, the 130 class kind of follows them and down, down the wood line, it kind of cuts, you know, it kind of cuts in, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, where there's more corn right up against the wood, but it kind of use in, I can't see once he gets behind that little corner. So sure enough, the 130 goes in towards the does and number two goes right in that area. And all of a sudden I hear horns just smack, 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 smack. And I'm thinking, you son of a gun, don't, don't break those antlers. Don't, those are my handlers. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a gun. So then, so then my hope was that they would chase each other toward me. And again, that never did happen. So um, again, this is after I missed that, that first buck, you know, and they were fighting and sparring. Um, so the next time I, I go out, same stand on the West side, sitting there, and um, the 130 class comes out across the field on the east side, underneath my other stand, stands there and eats forever, 20 yards away. So I text Heather. I'm like, man, I screwed up. I sat in the wrong stand tonight again. And this is the same stand I got a shot at that other decent buck out of. And, um, and so I'm sitting there throughout the night. He goes off into the woods. And as I'm sitting there, um, pretty soon a couple does come out. One doe comes right underneath my stand and starts eating. Like she's literally right underneath me eating. Um, a second doe comes out and she's out in the cornfield eating at about 60 yards away or so. Um, and then as I'm sitting there, I look up and I see the 130 class. He comes out of the woods, probably at about 150 yards away. And he's, he's making a beeline right for these does that are in the field. I'm like, Oh man, he's coming right at us. You know? So now I'm starting to get excited. And then I'm thinking if he comes to the one right under my stand, I'm going to get a shot at this guy. Um, with my luck and the way my 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 hunting all often goes, he went to the other one that was 80 yards away. <laughs> and as he went to her, she bound off into the woods. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's it. That's it. I'm not going to see this guy. So now I'm 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 debating. I got this doe, really nice doe, right underneath me. I could I could shoot her. We got some meat in the freezer. Right. Or I can just wait to see what happens. So as I'm sitting there, a few minutes later, the doe that went off in the woods, she comes bounding back. Boom, boom, boom. And, and then kind of stops at about 40 yards. I'm like, man, I need her to come by me because if he comes back, he's going to walk right by me and I'm going to get a shot. So sure enough, she goes by me. And then a few minutes later, I look up, here he is, nose to the ground, grunting like crazy. 
and I get a really good look at his rack, and my heart just starts going, brruh, 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 you know what I mean? Oh. And and for all you guys who are are um, who have hunted before, bow hunting in particular, and you get that adrenaline rush, particularly when you're younger and the buck fever, you feel like your heart is just going to jump right out of your chest. Yep. I had that. I had that going pretty, <laughs> pretty hey man, bad. It, it ain't just young guys, okay? It, <laughs> it is. It is young, old, and anywhere in between, in my opinion, for the most part. It. It. The it issue can, is it I'm old strike. enough now. The issue is I'm old enough now where I might have a heart attack, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you have other health concerns when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, that that doe walks by me, and now he turns his head and aims right for the doe that's right underneath me, and then so now he's he's about twenty yards out, out broadside. I got a clear shot. I don't have a clear shot because he's behind a branch. So I need him to clear this branch, and then I have a clear shot at him broadside. The doe that's behind me, Austin, just kind of bounds, boop, out from underneath me, and then follows the other doe. When she does that, he takes two steps, bounds where she was, and lands right underneath me. Oh, and so man. now he's just standing there looking at the does. And I'm like, gosh, he's five yards away. I look, I mean, literally straight down. I range him five yards. I'm like, all right, so how am I going to do that? How am I going to do this? Well, I can't just aim straight down because I'm sitting down because my knees are in the way. So since he was looking at the other doe, his his attention was completely on the does. Right. He was he was broadside, but he was looking at the does. And so I just stood up really quietly and then uh, compensated for the angle this time and drew back and smacked him. And again, my arrow was sticking out. I thought it was sticking out uh, pretty far, but I really wasn't sure. Um so he turns, and I didn't hear the big thud that you don't normally hear when you hit lungs, uh, when you hit rib cage. Uh, he turns, um, his tail wasn't flickering, nothing. He turns, just kind of tried, and went right into the woods. And as he went into the woods, I see white. And typically when you fall over, you can see that white kind of flashing through the woods. Mm-hmm. And I saw a quick white flash, and I thought, ah, oh, did he fall over right there? Well, the two does that he was following spin around and they kind of go to the corner where he went in and just stood there and just stare. They just stare in that corner. I'm like, man, he might be down right there. So I text Heather, just shot a big boy. And she's like, did you find him? I'm like, no. She goes, well, it, it doesn't count until we find him. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're right. Because of what happened last time when I shot that other deer. Right. So, um, so sure enough, I can't. I, I I wait 15 minutes. I'm like, I got to get down and start looking. I'm I'm sure there's blood everywhere. You know what I mean? Because just because it the angle and just because I smoked them, I get down and I go where he went into the woods. And these doe were still staying there. They they run off, of course. Uh, I go where he went into the woods. Look down. Don't see any blood. Okay. So then I start kind of looking around again for my arrow, for leaves, for any sign. I can't find anything again. Oh man! I'm like, are you? Is this how? Uh, is this how my whole season's gonna go? What is going on? I have a five yard shot. I have a ten yard shot. There's absolutely no sign. I can't find this deer anywhere. So I just follow a deer trail down to the ridge, back behind my stand, and I'm just kind of looking around, and I'm getting really frustrated. I'm texting Heather like crazy, and and, and you know, um, was really frustrated in some of my language, and so. <laughs> Heather was trying to be supportive and and so I go back to where he went in and I look down and there's just a little drop of blood just a small little drop of blood I'm like okay there's a little bit well 
I kind of I, I had I had gone directly west because I thought that's where he went. Usually they go down a, a gully and a ravine and then they go in the deeper woods. Um, I hadn't gone north, and north of where he went in the woods was a bunch of brush pile. So I thought, well, sometimes they go under the brush pile and just kind of pile up under the brush pile. Yeah. So I go to the brush pile and I start looking under the brush pile and I'm looking and looking, I'm like I don't see anything. And I turn and there's a white belly right next to me. Oh man, I'm like, there he is. are you kidding me? So I jump, I go right on there. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I got him. He ran like 30 yards and just piled up. Wow. So so as we were field dressing him, um, what I had realized was that I did compensate for the angle. I did put a great shot on him. I split his heart rate into two. And wow. I'm thinking I'm thinking what happened was he was dead before he was able to, you know, because a lot of that blood that you get is from them breathing and exhaling and that sort of thing. I'm thinking he was done before he even had a chance to exhale. And that's why I didn't find any blood um, until we found him, you know? Huh. And so. Wow, man. So later on, as we were, um, as we were getting the cape off, we realized that he had been shot. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> yeah. So he had been shot on the same side that I had shot that one and we couldn't find any side. And so what we realized was, I hit him a little bit lower than what I thought. Right. Actually, I didn't hit him lower. I hit him exactly where I thought because the because the, the 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 scar was right about mid mid rib. But your ang with your angle, yeah, yeah. So what happened? And and the long was actually sliced. That long on that side was sliced. It really? didn't go through it, but it was sliced. Yeah, and the other long wasn't touched at all. So I'm thinking it's sliced, and then just pushed the other long aside. And then it actually, it didn't exit, but it hit the hide on the other side. So there was like still some fresh blood on that side, on the opposite side. Man, I, I, these animals are far tougher than we give them credit for. And and I've, I've read, I've never talked to somebody who experienced it. So I'm, it's awesome that you're sharing that. I, mm -hmm. I've read articles and stuff about deer that mm -hmm. have like been shot. Hunter felt like it was a decent shot. Never found a yep. deer, minimal blood they get them either later in the year or the next year and they mm -hmm. find evidence of an injury like that where a vital was nicked or something like that but right they healed right. they recovered they bounced back it's crazy to me the most um the most astonishing thing was the fact that i was in the exact same stand i had shot him once before typically when you get a mature deer like that once they know that there's a danger there you don't see him again yeah this guy came to the exact same spot, even closer, <laughs> that, and, and I got a second shot at him. That is... So I did play Powerball because that's when it was in the pavilions <laughs> at that point. And my luck was better deer hunting that. <laughs> Man, that that is so so crazy. Not just not just all of the elements of the story, not just the history of the deer leading up into it, but mm -hmm. the fact that it was that deer, that caliber of bug right. is just it right. it's the the icing on the cake at that point that is it, incredible it, and like i said you you hunt all your life for a deer like this you know you know uh, a lot of people when they get a deer this big they go to um outfitters where they really do a good job of managing their herd and they put requirements on the size of deer that that they can shoot you know 130 140 150 class deer and they have them out there free ranging behind my house we don't have a lot of 130 140 150 class deer just running around right you know what i mean but we have made a conscious effort of letting uh, a lot of the little bucks go over recent years because we want to grow them you know what i mean yeah um 
our neighbors um, a couple years ago, I think it was during quarantine actually, uh, that, that summer before, that summer between COVID and the second wave of quarantine where we started to get locked down again, uh, that we had a group of big bucks in our backfield. And every every night during the summer, we'd go out there and a lot of the neighbors, we'd go out there glassing and looking at all these bucks. And we ended up coming together as a group and, and um, kind of deciding on what type of deer management we want in this area, you yeah. know. Um, and, and my whole thing, you know, originally when I first started hunting, my whole thing was it's got to have at least six points. Well, then as I evolved, you know, throughout the years, I thought, you know, well, now let's look at age. You know, let's look at mass. Let's start looking at some of the other characteristics we need to grow big bucks. Yeah. Um, and it was probably when I first joined uh, Fall Obsession, that's when I really got serious about, hey, even the two-year-olds, we got to start letting some of these two-year-old go, go unless there's something going on, like an injured deer yeah. or um, like my daughter has never shot one before or that buck that I shot, she just wanted me to shoot a deer. So I shot a little year-and-a-half-year-old six-point just because I wanted to – wanted her to experience that you yeah. know what i mean yeah um and so but to have a buck like this and to see our efforts have paid off it's like oh my goodness and to have this history like i said i didn't realize that was mr elke until my neighbor flat out said that's mr elke that's a buck you've been chasing for years i'm like oh my gosh i think you're right you're right and so it was it was an incredible experience i said to heather i will probably never have a buck like that again i mean we can try you can you can manage the deer herd, um, but ultimately uh, you can't manage the, your neighbors. You can't manage your people. And I understand that everybody has different philo philosophies on hunting. Yeah. Some people hunt for meat. Some people hunt for trophy. You know, some people a spike is a trophy deer. That's perfectly that's perfectly fine. If that's what that that's what makes them happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we can only do our part in managing our herd. And so that's kind of what we've been doing. And like I said, to have a deer like this, it's like all of our efforts have paid off. You know, all the all the blood, sweat, and tears we put on the summer, put you know, we we accumulate in the summertime, and all the effort, all the all the energy, and all the work, you know, it just kind of paid off. And it was to get that to get that feeling of your heart jumping out of your chest, like you're a 15, 16 year old kid in the woods when a four point walks in front of you. You know, it's honestly over the you, when you hunt for so long, you still get that rush, but not to that that extent. And to feel that adrenaline, that 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 intense, that was, that's why that's why I, I got that's one of the reasons why I got into hunting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just because I love that adrenaline rush and and yeah. everything just came for full circle. I could see my whole hunting career just come and take shape in this one little experience. You know what I mean? It, it takes you back, man. It it one hundred percent takes you back. That's that's for sure. I, and yeah, you can you can hunt for as you've already alluded to, you know, numbers of years and, and, you know, get into the meat hunting grind, you know, and does management bucks hunting for meat, all that kind of stuff. And, mm -hmm. and it, it does kind of, kind of wither away, but then you get, you get a buck like that and it just, yeah, it all comes rushing back. So I, I completely, completely understand. Yep. Exactly. And so, so since that time, uh, number two has been showing up every second or third day. Um, I haven't seen him until tonight. I saw him for the first time in a week and a half. Um, he had been showing up over on the east side, so that's why I've been sitting on the east side. Every time I see him, he's either right by my stand or he's coming up on the corner by my stand or just around the corner. 
or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's why I've been focusing more on the east side because that's where I've been seeing him. Well, then tonight he comes out on the west side, <laughs> which cat. would have been the exact it would have been the exact same stand that I shot this guy out of. That cat and mouse game starts all over again. It sure does. Yeah, it sure does. So, um, and like I was telling you, Sam, you know, typically once we once we get into gun season, usually the third or fourth day, then we really start looking at filling our freezer with does and and that sort of thing, and Tomorrow is the third day of gun season, so really, after tomorrow, probably more so on Friday, we'll start looking for those. However, number two is still out there, yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be harder for me to go out and just shoot does. And if I know number two is out there, you know, I told Heather last night. I was telling you before we started that because Heather said we're getting low on meat, and we need to start putting some does in the freezer. And I said, well, you know. And we might have to wait till December to start putting those in the freezer. Let's let's just wait and see. And so, yeah. Yeah, I I've got like for me, I have a I got a doe pretty early in the year, and then uh, mm-hmm. I shot a, a management buck uh, a week yeah. ago or so, and then, um, you know, our our with the colder weather and everything, you know, the rut starting to kick in down mm-hmm. here in Texas and everything. My mm-hmm. kind of my hope is that maybe as it did last year it brings in some mature deer that we hadn't seen before uh, i'm at least trying to hold on to my mature buck tag to give me a chance to get a crack at something yeah, that sure. maybe i'm not expecting to walk out in front of me and yeah. after that it's it's game on i'm 100 after that point gonna stick my mature tag on a m- more mature management buck because mm-hmm. um, we have we have a lot of management deer on on texas dirt this year that need to go off and mm-hmm. then try to finish out the doe tags and stuff and there, there's no reason i should not tag out this year and, and have a full freezer because because I'm, I'm a meat hunter at the end of the day but we're all you know like you've mentioned your conscious efforts we're also trying to manage our, our population and, and shoot the deer that are mature or need to be shot and for sure i i i, I will say if, if i have if if I end up shooting a management buck, there is a six point out on our place with a 20 inch inside spread that oh, yeah, you said that, that the other day. Yeah. yeah. Me and that would be incredible. Yeah. Me and Nick are going to be jockeying for that one to see who gets to him <laughs> first. So, <laughs> so the manager buck, you said you already, already shot. You said it was a call deer, right? Yeah. So I, I guess that's a good segue into the other yeah. thing I want to talk with you about since, you know, yeah. you being our staff manager, you've, you've kept yeah. up with, uh, you know, I mean, you keep up with our staff year round, but, um, mm-hmm. obviously during hunting season, you're keeping up with the kills and it has been yeah. one heck of a oh year for fall obsession staff. At, we, we haven't seen success like this, um, we, from, from our we... staff members before. We had some kills early. We had Michael that um, had to kill a doe before he got his buck tag in Indiana in early September. And, and TJ down in Florida got, actually got our first buck. I think that was in September, too, um, yeah. with a muzzle loader, a nice little eight-point. Um, and then Stephen got a doe, and we had a um, – Tyler got two does out in Kansas. And then we went, you know, a couple weeks without hearing anything. But, man, then all of a sudden – as we get closer to rut, I think we went, what we say, 12 days in a row where we had at least one, you know, uh, there were, there were multiple days where we had, you know, more than one deer put down yeah. in a day. You and, know what I mean? And, and for our listeners who aren't familiar, we're, we're talking our, our, our staff in general, we have pro and field staffers spread out throughout the country and in, in dozens of different states, um, in different regions and everything. So we're, what Todd and I are talking about here is everybody combined, you know, kind of our, our fall obsession hunt report from the country you know it's we're mm-hmm. you know we're we're tracking all these these staff members who are putting deer down and and like you said 12 12 days consecutive with 
with a deer hitting the ground, mostly bucks, I believe too. So. Mostly bucks, mostly really good bucks too. Yeah. yeah, really good bucks. Yeah. And then we went. I think the last two days without anything. And then Corey, uh, Corey shot a nice, nice six point pointer today. And so he started the streak over again today. So yeah. we'll see if we can continue this. You know, maybe I can get number two on the ground tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 hoping so. And I, I know we're tracking our staff, but I know that they and their families are also being being successful and everything like that. I, I, I've mm-hmm. had a few staffers either on the message board or, or text or whatever, say, you know, my, my cousin or my nephew, or I know Drew, he, he had some family, uh, yeah. take some deer down. And then that yeah. might literally, as we were about to kick off this podcast, my dad who's hunting hey, right now and I'm not, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he texts me saying he shot a doe tonight. So, um, yeah. it, it, it's happening, man. And, and, you know, you, you mentioned the buck that I killed and everything. And I, yeah. uh, I got to. So, what is a callback? First of all, so tell tell people what a callback is. Yeah, so callback, at least if I can say it right, callback. There we go. Mm -hmm. In my neck of the woods is uh, is a deer that we need to get out of the herd. It's a deer that we do not want uh, breeding or or passing on genetics or anything like that. It's a deer that's never going to be anything. Sometimes it can be a funky looking deer with crazy horns, and that's when we're talking bad genetics. You know, you don't want to replicate that, if you will, or it could just be a mature deer that doesn't have a big, big rack or anything, and it's just he's right. never going to be anything. He's ready to go. So, um, that being said, um, we have a lot of cold deer this year on Texas dirt. Last year, it seemed like we had uh, some more, some better caliber mature deer. Um, Mm-hmm. Some of which I probably should have shot. That's a sore subject. Mm-hmm. We won't go there tonight. We all know how. If you if you've been following us through last year, you know we, we you know what I'm talking about. But, your Halloween costume. Right? <laughs> yeah, my my Halloween <laughs> costume contributed to it. Go look go look at that uh, end of October on our social media pages. But I, uh, needless to say, um, we had a pretty significant drought here in Texas over the summer, and I think that was a, a big contributing factor into some of the the lack of antler growth mm-hmm. that we probably saw mm-hmm. this year and um, we have a lot of a lot of seven points which is weird uh, a lot of mm-hmm. seven points on our mm-hmm. on our property um and, and i say a lot it's not like they're running rampant but i i have pictures of at least four or five different seven points a, across the entire property which which is unusual a lot of smaller eights um and then i mentioned the big six earlier that I would, I personally would probably consider that a trophy. Truly, he's a cold buck, but that uh, any deer with a 20 inch inside spread to me is a, is a big deer. So I would, uh, I'd love to kill that thing, but all it is to say the, uh, this deer that I shot, um, he was what I refer to as a cow horn buck, um, similar to a spike he has no branched antlers so two points really if if you're counting points um but it's not like a spike like just a little two three inch little um antler he's actually he's got more length to his his beams and everything so um typically my yearling bucks are who i would expect to be my my spike deer and this deer it was a two-year-old deer and my deer, I, if they're two years old, I want to see um, either four points or six points on them, at least right now with the way that our property is. So if I if I don't have four or six points on them, um, or, or better, obviously, then in my opinion, that's a cold deer and one that we want to take out of the herd. So this, this buck came in, it was, it was several hard days of hunting, 
and uh this buck came in and gave me a shot opportunity and uh i wasn't gonna pass it up so meat in the freezer a deer that needed to come out of the herd out of the herd and everybody's happy so gotcha um so when when i brought my daughter's uh deer into the taxidermist there was a guy who owns an uh, uh deer farm who owns a deer farm and my cousin is my taxidermist and she asked me how old i thought it was i said it's probably about a two-year-old deer that's what i guessed well when this guy came in he uh my cousin asked him, well, how old do you think this deer is? He's like, I don't know. He, he goes, it's hard to tell without looking at the teeth. He goes, how much do you feel dressed? I said, 170. He goes, 170? He goes, he's got to be at least a three- or four-year-old deer. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, he's probably a three- or four-year-old deer with small antlers. So when you mention that as part of the, the call buck, you know, I guess you could probably consider her as a call buck as well, you know. And you had mentioned also the drought in Texas. Jeez, when I was down there, it was 100, almost 120 degrees. Yeah, we were, you know? we were hunting in 112, 115 degree temps, hunting pigs in the summer, yeah. but yeah. Yep, yep, yeah, not hunting deer, yeah. Yeah, not, so... not, not deer hunting. <laughs> 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 and so up here, I, I think I mentioned this to you earlier, when we field dressed my daughter's deer, man, he had like an inch and a half thick layer of fat on him. And typically that's a sign that it's going to be a, a pretty hard winter. And so even looking at the Farmer's Almanac, the Farmer's Almanac certainly says that we're going to have a long fall and a long winter, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Which means that winter is not going to start till later. Well, winter has started here. It started yesterday, actually. Man, you know, I, it... We, a switch flipped down here in Texas because I, you know, I mentioned several hard days of hunting in this most recent trip where I killed the, the cold buck. My dad and I hunted out there for five days at the beginning of general season or rifle season here in Texas. I was still bow hunting, but basically right. it, it, it opens up to everybody at that point. Um, we hunted for the first five days of the season and temps were in the 70s 80 degrees high it only got down mm -hmm. into maybe maybe the 50s at night if you know mostly 60s and the deer activity was slow i was off work and it was the, my opportunity to be out there so that's why i stayed out there i was trying to you know make something happen in five days of hunting i saw four deer and the fourth deer is the one that i shot so oh that, that gives you and and we're on 807 acres with you know close to 10 different setups out there this year so it, it, it yeah. gives you an idea on you know where we're at and i hunted multiple different spots um but two days after we come home it changes and i, I mentioned so you know sure. my dad's been yeah. out i had to go back to work yesterday and my dad went yeah. but he's he's self-employed so he makes his own hours so he he packed up and left yesterday to go out there by himself and he's been out there two days and he's killed two deer now so that's that's <laughs> awesome that's awesome. Yeah. So, so the two days that we, uh, two days that we didn't fill our tags, we could include your dad in it. So yeah. Well, today, well, 14, 14 yeah, my, my dad, my dad can be the honorary member. He kept the streak going. He was out there he getting the it done. Going. So yep. yeah. <laughs> no, but typically here in Michigan, early October, you get 67 degree temps. And then about second or third week in October, you start to really start to see it, um, kind of tail off a little bit, forties, fifties, we were getting 60, 70, and then we had a spell there for a week. We were in the 40s all week. So that was really awesome because we would see 20, 30, 40 deer every sit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which was awesome. So then, then all of a sudden we get a week of 75. And then we get 80. And then we get 
snow and 30 and then 80 the next day. So it's been a roller coaster until, like I said, this week it, it started to cool off. And then we got uh, about three inches of snow yesterday. Uh, so the first day of rifle season, um, you know, I was watching different reports because I was at school. I couldn't get out in the morning. But, um, you know, the different reports were saying deer just aren't moving. They're locked down. They're they're hunkered up because it's snowing so hard. It was snowing hard all day. And then uh, today it didn't snow until the evening. It started snowing a little bit. Um, and it got warm enough where the snow that we got yesterday melted. So um, it was like, I think it was 37, 38 degrees when I went out this afternoon after school, but all the snow had melted at that point. And then now we're under a winter weather advisory <laughs> and Michael down in Southern Michigan, Michael's about two hours South of me. He, he texted me. I think you're in that text thread too. They yeah. already got six inches of snow today. That's crazy. And then they're under a winter storm warning for the next two days. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, and and so, Michael's another one that has uh that's been very yeah. successful this season. I actually a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. recorded a podcast with him, episode 129, um over his success over there in Michigan and Indiana and all that stuff over there cuz he's killed early in November. He killed two very nice bucks just just really a nice. few days apart on different properties. Yeah, I was gonna say, it was within a week time span i think yeah. yeah just over a week so that that's that that was a truly a great conversation with him so just for our mm-hmm. listeners if you haven't listened to 129 go back and listen so and his wife shot a nice doe yeah actually we it was funny we i podcasted with him the night that his wife shot that doe she got the doe. he right, sent that right, t- right. him and i had it on the books to to podcast mm-hmm. that night and uh he sent that text in the group thread that the, his wife shot a doe, and I was like, "Hey, man, um, if, if you're occupied tonight, I understand we can we can reschedule." <laughs> it. And totally. it, it was a few minutes before he responded. He's like, "Nope, I just got out of the shower. Let's do this." And I was like, "All right, <laughs> sounds good." And, and so, so that's what's really cool. That's why I like podcasting. You know, as things are happening, you know, in the thick of it during hunting season, you know, with with guys mm-hmm. like Michael, who his wife shot a doe that night. And he he had just drugged that thing out of the woods and gotten showered and gotten cleaned up, and he hopped on a podcast. Or you, you know, you're you're talking about literally hunting today, you know, just a, just a couple right. hours ago and everything. A couple so, hours ago, I was out there chasing yeah. number two. And, and you mm-hmm. know, Nick and I and my dad, we we've podcasted this season already from from deer camp and everything. So it, it's just I love that element of of our show that we're able to you know just bring that yeah. sense of you know here the here and now you know to yeah. to our hunting season on our podcast so it's really cool yeah for sure and, and michael's wife had a similar experience to me she shot a really nice buck early yeah. and they tracked it for quite a ways and and ran out of blood i think actually the neighbor wouldn't allow them to go on and, and continue tracking it and then it showed back up to the exact same spot that it got shot at you know what i mean which yeah. he originally shot him yeah that and, and showed up on camera yeah that's yep. a and that's so. an element to the story that that probably hadn't been told yet at this point but you you had mentioned the neighbor and everything and 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 not to not to repeat his story or anything but i use the mm-hmm. point to emphasize that that brought on a very interesting topic that Michael covered on our podcast and our couch chat video series, um, talking about just, just hunter ethics, etiquette, and, you know, um, kind of, yeah, just, just kind of the courtesy factor behind, uh, 
behind being a hunter um and yeah. with a with a friend that was local to him out there so that that is and those are really just true genuine authentic conversations that's podcast episode 125 if anybody's yeah, interested sure. or couch chat episode number five if you want to watch the video version but um go check those out because michael michael turned that turned a, a very frustrating experience into i believe a very educational experience very educational. for other for other hunters out there and that and that's what i again one of the things i love about what we do is we you know we're we're blue collar hunters same as everybody that's listening to this podcast and all that we're trying to do here is is share our information and our experiences in an educational format for for everybody out there educational yet entertaining and enjoyable at the same time obviously but very much so and, and you know you talk about it being educational we have some that are that don't play nice either some neighbors particularly on this cornfield that i hunt you know we live on we live on a 56 acre farm and then across the street heather's dad has 27 originally it was uh, one big farm and then they put a road in to split it up into 56 and 27 acres and so um mostly hardwoods we got a swamp right in the middle and then like i said the back 13 acres is all corn and then the front six or seven acres is also corn with a ravine and gully in the back and so i set my stands up on the east and west of the the, the cornfield because it's about 400 yards three or 400 yards across and so uh the neighbor that's two neighbors over um has has done things like uh, years ago he used to go out and park in the field and <laughs> When deer would come out, he would flash his lights, beep his horn. Oh, he would always come man. out in prime on. time. So yeah, so that's just a little 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 thing that that we have dealt with in the past, and so it's gotten better since. But still, little things, and so we just we just try we just grin and try to play nice, and you know what I mean. Yeah, just keep to ourselves and keep to our ethics, and try to try to keep doing our uh, what we want in our philosophy of managing deer and 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 that sort of thing, and hoping that they pay off. So yeah. Well, if you're a listener and you are having struggles with with a, a pesty neighbor like that, again, podcast episode 125, Michael TP, go listen to it. It's a good one. So he's very passionate. He is very passionate in a very professional way. So yes, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because when it's not you, you deal with something like that. It's so frustrating. It could very easily turn negative real quick in a yeah. bad way. Yeah, and so you know. Yep, I felt that frustration before. So absolutely, many of us yeah, have. Yep. Well, Todd, so, man, it, it's been awesome sitting down talking to always, you. We're yeah. we're getting toward the end of our time. Yep. It, I yep. I loved hearing about your deer and and the history mm -hmm. behind it, and obviously yep. how it all played out. I, I will I know we'll be back on here again before the season's over. I'm sure, but sure. Uh, sure. we'll yep. we'll try to make a point to get it after uh, after the 60 day period after you get that that deer scored and everything. That way we can yeah. we can get an idea for exactly how how big it I'm is and everything. And you know, awesome yep. talking about our fall obsession staff success this year so far too. And and I mean, mm -hmm. still we still got a month and a, month and a half, two months left of hunting season, so it ain't over yet. And so, so I've been a part of this since 2018 and, and never, we have never, I mean, you hear about success stories periodically throughout the season, never, not like this. It's every day, every day. In fact, I think yesterday I sent out a thread, okay, who got one today? You know what I mean? Or something like that. Yeah. You know? No, th <laughs> this is, this is unlike any year that we've had before. So I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm excited for everybody. It's awesome to see. So, and we have that, we have that crane hunt, you know, you know, 
talking about hunts. We have that crane yeah. hunt coming up here next month too. So we just had a uh, had a meeting uh, this past weekend, and then we're looking at we put a storyboard together, and so we're looking at doing a production meeting here soon too. So yeah, uh, hopefully we can turn a turn into a nice video like the uh, the bow fishing trip that was just aired today, I believe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Look, looking forward to that production and making that happen as well. So it'll be awesome. Well, on that note for, as we conclude for our podcast listeners, um, we've, we've talked about our staff. We've talked about these productions, little bits and pieces behind all that. And if you guys want to see everything that we do at fall obsession, go to our website, fallobsession.com. Um, that's the hub. Everything stems out of there. And we literally, all of our staff, thanks to all of our staffers, I should say, we've literally covered hundreds of different topics, um, in different capacities in the hunting and outdoor industry at this point. We, I'm sure that there is some, something on there for everybody at this point. We have all of our video series are on there. Mm-hmm. We have uh, educational videos and articles on there, gear reviews, wild game recipes, our podcasts, and more. So be sure that you head on over to, uh, to Fall Obsession. Be sure that you go to the bottom of any page and subscribe to uh, our newsletter because Todd does a great job working with our regional coordinators to send out a monthly, uh, a monthly report or newsletter from each region of the United States every month. Um, so it's awesome to see that and not just what's in your region, but what's coming out of the other ones. Our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, go wild, go uh, like and follow and do all that good stuff on there. We post daily um, hunting and outdoor content, authentic hunting and outdoor content, as well as our YouTube channel. Go subscribe to that. We post multiple new videos on there a week. Todd mentioned the bow fishing video from their uh, recent experience. Our podcast videos are on there. Our Texas Dirt series covering um, Nick and I's hunts down here in Texas. Um, that's an awesome series, too. We, we, we got all sorts of cool stuff on there. At the time that this podcast is coming out, too, um, we're going to actually have a feature episode in our My Obsession series on Todd um, also on the YouTube channel mm-hmm. by then. So I know on Todd, Saturday, I think. Right? Yeah, uh, it'll be yeah. on the 19th is when it's going to be published. So, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, coming up. Um, so all the socials, YouTube, go check all those out. Um, and whatever podcast platform that you guys are listening on, be sure you hit that follow and or subscribe button and make sure your notifications are turned on. That way you know when we drop a new podcast. We publish a new podcast episode every single Monday morning, um, and we're very diligent about that. We're also on uh, Waypoint TV and Carbon TV. Those are other places that you can stream our podcast and our video series Texas Dirt and Couch Chats are also on Carbon TV as well. So be sure you go check all that out. Finally, Ridge Rock Hunt Company is the podcast partner. Derek and Lacey over there in Mississippi, they book hunts with vetted outfitters across the country. Derek has a very large network of vetted outfitters in North America. And he will work with you to set up um, whatever kind of hunt you're looking for, where you're looking for, work with you on the budget, the timeline, all that kind of stuff. Um, Just give him a call and just start exploring those options with them. So Ridge Rock Hunt Company, go check them out on social media and on their website. Todd, I enjoyed it, man, as always. And we'll get you back on here again. Absolutely. And you know what? Everybody's got to stay obsessed because we are, right? (laughs) Absolutely. We are obsessed this year for sure, my friend, for sure. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you all for listening to another Fall Obsession podcast. Uh, Might be me, might be Drew next week. We'll have to wait and see, but we will be back either way, and we'll catch you then.